Support for this podcast comes from Word Posse, publishers of Thor McGraw and the Iceman Murders by Tom Drennan, Fortune's Daughter by Morella Sands, and The Water Girl by Deborah Militello. Word Posse, freaking awesome books at great prices. Hello, everyone. I'm Rhett McPherson. Welcome to the Word Posse podcast. We're continuing the reading of a new novel this week with both text and audio episodes available online. Don't worry if you've missed a previous episode, you can always catch up. Check out wordposse.com for more information. And now, the next episode of On Wednesday by Mark Sumner, read for you by Raymond Shin. Past Day, Chapter 3. On Past Day, Denny got to eat. There was food on other days orangey blocks of chez and goopy brown nutter that came in gray boxes from the Human Assistance Authority. Denny stood in the line most mornings and waited with everyone else to get his boxes from Scythians who wore tight plastic gloves over their forelimbs and hard plastic masks over their faces. Sometimes there were also boxes of dry little crackers. Sometimes there was powder milk mix for drinking. But most of the time there was just chez and nutter Nutter and Chez. Except on past day. On past day, Auntie Tala did restaurant. Auntie Tala had a place on the lower floor of an old compartment building. It had been the gather room of one of the buildings back when there were enough humans in Jukal to keep all the little rooms above packed. But now it was a nothing room. Just another of those places that once had people, then didn't. Tala and Cousin Sira had dragged in a bunch of mismatched tables and chairs that came from empty compartments and closed stores when they started having restaurant. They made shelves of stacked boxes and a bar from a length of plastic with scorch marks at one end. Plates and cups and spoons had come from everywhere, no two alike. It had been Denny's father who helped Tala build a stove out of sheet metal from a scrapped transport. They beat the metal into shape with a firebox down below, and the middle domed up like the shell on a Cynthian's back. Denny had been there the first time they started a fire in the stove, watching, waiting for a taste of his first meal off the hammered metal. He still remembered how Auntie Tala had traded with a click-kick, old human junk in exchange for vegetables and spices, and how the stove had been covered in a deep layer of pop peppers mixed with loops of brown mummions and snapping strips of meat. The whole thing had smelled so good that Denny couldn't help dancing from one foot to the other while he waited for the food to finish. His father had put a hand on Denny's shoulder and grinned down at him. Hold your horses, he said. We can't eat until everyone gets here. That was the last thing Denny's father said before the blue door on the other side of the long room swung open and a handful of Scythians came in, their shells rasping along the sides of the human-sized door. Behind them came a dozen of the Dasic guards. Half the humans in Jukal had been sent away on consignment that night, including Denny's father. Denny had never learned what horses were or why he should hold them. No one was left who seemed to know. Later, when all the humans had been hurried away and the Scythians had squeezed back out through the same door they entered, Talus said they should eat all the food that had been cooked so it wouldn't go to waste. It was the only time Denny could remember having more food than he could eat. It was the only time he could remember not being hungry. That had been two years ago. Since that night, 
restaurant have been a lot less crowded, a lot less noisy, a lot less happy. Chapter 4 When Denny came through the door for restaurant, there were only four other humans there. Auntie Tala was brushing oil across the big stove. Denny could see that there were plates of vegetables already chopped and waiting for their turn on the heat. There was some kind of meat, too. Something that Tala had bought at the market. Usually the meat came from the click in pinkish-gray strips peeled off of something that lived far away. Sometimes the meat was sold by the Scythians. Something that, before it was pried from its shell, looked a lot like a bigger version of the little red scuttles that prowled under boxes and in the shut-ups of Denny's compartment. Denny didn't look too closely. Usually it was better not to look at the meat until after it had been cooked. Auntie Tala looked up long enough to nod at Denny when he came in, but she quickly turned her attention back to the stove. She swiped at the oil as it dripped down the sides of the domed metal, pushing it back to the top with a practiced twist of her curved stick, even as the oil sizzled, popped, and took on a brownish color. As soon as the oil was pushed up on the metal dome of the stove, it started to ooze back down. There were little white scars all along the back of Tala's fingers where the oil had burned her. But with fast work, she could make just a spoonful of the stuff last out a meal. Even if the oil had allowed her more time, Denny doubted Tala would have given him a greeting. She seldom said more than a few words in an evening these days, and Denny could not remember the last time that she had joked or laughed or even smiled. People had called Tala an auntie for years, although she was barely 19 and never anyone's mother. It was just that she was so serious, and she had watched over cousin Sira ever since Sira's parents were consigned five years earlier. Young as she was, there were already lines of worry pressed into Tala's thin face, and in the last day cycles, Denny had noticed strands of white mingling with her dark, wavy hair. Once, this would have been about the time when everyone got together and welcomed Tala into the ranks of adults. There would have been a ceremony and dancing and talk about who Tala might marry. Kettle, if it happened now. It would have to be Cousin Kettle or Cousin Haw, and Denny could not imagine Tala with Haw and more talk about when she might have children. But all that would have to wait until Tala was consigned to somewhere else. There just weren't enough people left in Jukalplex for a proper ceremony. It wasn't the right time to get married or to have kids. It was just a time to wait for what happened next. Denny stopped beside the stove long enough to make a show of breathing in the scents from the cooking food. It was partly just to be polite, but the green edges of the peppers were just starting to darken, and the smell was good enough that he was really tempted to reach in and steal a bite. Auntie Tala had no trouble reading his mind. Step back now, she said with a wave of her oily stick. She smacked it down hard against the metal surface close to Denny's hand. Denny snatched back his hand. Tala would never actually hurt anyone. At least, Denny didn't think so. But he stepped back anyway. He fumbled into the pocket of his baggy shorts and came out with three green chips, leftovers from what he had earned at the spaceport. Is this enough for this time? It's enough, said Tala, without bothering to look at what Denny was holding. No matter how much or how little Denny brought, it was always enough. More than once, he had come to a restaurant with nothing, and Tala had fed him just the same. Denny supposed that if he never brought in another chip, he would still not go hungry. Still, Denny liked to pay when he could. To get the food... Tala had to trade with Scythians and Dasics and Click-Kicks at the big market east of the Cataclysm. If there were not enough chips to buy what she needed, she would have to do what others did all the time. 
sell some of the family things to Papa Jam. Denny hoped she'd had enough this time. Cousin Sira was busy setting out dishes and cups even more mismatched than the tables they'd lay on. She flashed Denny a white smile as soon as she saw him. Next to Denny, Sira was the youngest human left in Jukal. She was not really his cousin, of course, any more than Tala was his aunt. But for a long time now, generations, his father had said, all the adults in Jukalplex had called each other auntie or uncle. He called all the old ones Papa or Nani. He named all the children cousins. It was just something you did when everyone altogether was not much bigger than a family. Denny had not paid much attention to Sira, not when there were other kids around. She had always been too serious, too much like a little adult. Sarah had never wanted to play when she was smaller, never wanted to dance when she was older. But since the night his father was consigned, Denny had spent a lot of time with Sarah. These last two years, there had been no one else much for Denny to talk to. No one human, at least. And he had decided that talking to Sarah was not a bad thing. Maybe that meant that Denny was also becoming an adult. Maybe it was just that he had started to notice that Sarah was very smart and often kind and even kind of pretty. Did you see any skinks at the port? She asked. I did, said Denny. He circled around the table and dropped into a chair across from Sira. Two of them. One gave me three green chips and one gave me a whole red chip. And there were some basics, of course, and a chug and two click kicks. Click kicks. Sarah dropped a bent froon onto a plate with a clatter. What were they doing? Denny shrugged. They were leaving. They got on the first shuttle this morning. He knew that Sarah liked the click kicks with their tall purple frills and hard red limbs. Click kicks moved slowly. Sometimes they stood still for a long time. They were quiet, too, never speaking much louder than a whisper. And for all their size and the sharpness of their limbs, they seemed sort of gentle. Once, one of them had come to the quarter, even come to restaurant. And Sarah had watched it so closely, she spilled a whole bowl of mummions. Sira finished spreading the plates across the table, took another stack in hand, and then set them back carefully. Denny saw that she was looking across the room to where a dozen or more tables had been stacked and shoved into the corner. Denny could just remember when there were enough people in the Jukalplex human quarter to fill all those tables. I don't suppose... Sira picked up a handful of mismatched froons and started to put them beside the plates. I don't suppose... You saw any other humans at the spaceport? No, said Denny. Not today. Not on any day. Chapter 5 Denny took up the plates and helped Sira set the tables. Mostly the plates went down in ones and twos, scattered at round tables and square tables around the big room. As few people as there were now in Jukal, they might have all sat together at just one of restaurant's larger tables. Instead, they all sat where they used to sit, when there were more cousins, more aunties, and uncles, and parents. They sat like other people might come in, though of course they never did. Restaurant used to be a place to talk. Now it was a place to remember. While they were getting things ready, Papa Jam shuffled in and haggled with Auntie Tala. Tala always made Papa Jam pay more for his restaurant than the others, but that was only fair. Papa Jam had more than any of the others, probably more than all of them. Behind him, Cousin Kettle came in, still wearing his blue cover-ups from the spaceport, and joined his mother, Auntie Flash, at the corner table. Auntie Flash had been sick, and despite several visits to the Human Assistance Authority doctor, 
she still tended to tremble and to talk with a strange slowness. Denny knew that Kettle had used a lot of the credits he had made at the spaceport to take Auntie Flash to see a click-click doctor who was supposed to know a lot about humans. It didn't seem to have helped Auntie Flash, but knowing that he had done this made it hard to stay mad at Kettle. Sharing a table with Kettle and his mother was cousin Yulia. Yulia was actually almost as old as Auntie Tala, but no one had ever thought to call her an auntie. She had strange, pale eyes, and she always seemed so frightened. Yulia had come from Halitplex, the last human in that whole city, and before she was consigned to Jukul, she had been alone for a long time. It had made her different. She was quiet. She rarely looked at anyone. She had a big jacket, big enough that it looked like it was made for someone much larger than Yulia, and she huddled down in that jacket so much that it seemed like she wanted to disappear. Before the rest of the remaining humans could come into the room, the other door opened, the blue door. The same blue door that had opened the night Denny's father went away. Sira jumped and spun around. Denny turned more slowly. Half of him was afraid that it was the patrol come to consign them all to some other place. Half of him hoped it was. But this time, there was no rank of Dasic guards. There was only a single, very large, very old Scythian in the doorway. Heiser Grismalatakata Omigradisgrad, Grand Overcontroller of the Human Assistance Authority, pushed his way slowly into the gather room. The big Scythian had to move carefully to keep the burrs and notches of his deeply etched shell from snagging on the door. He was so old that the hinges of his shell didn't really flex well anymore, and the whole thing moved like one stiff, hard bowl. Long before he was completely in the room, his broad eye pads scanned the handful of humans. The overcontroller held his heavy, hooked forelimbs folded across his chest as he raised a smaller mid-limb in greeting. Humans, he said, his voice sounding in an echoey sigh that came from all around his shell. Enjoy. Denny wasn't sure if the overcontroller meant to say he enjoyed being with them, or he was wishing that all the humans should enjoy their meal. The older Scythians became, the harder they became to understand, and Heiser Grismala Takata Omigradisgrad was about as old as a Scythian ever got. The overcontroller finally managed to get all of his bulk into the room and crossed slowly to Antitala. His hard feet clacked off the tile floor loud enough to stir echoes around the nearly empty room. A second figure appeared in the blue doorway. This one was smaller in every way than the overcontroller. A rounded head that was roughly the same color as a block of chess looked around the edge of the opening. Denny smiled. Omi, he called. The young Scythian raised the orange-red edges of his mouth parts in reply, which Denny knew, or at least thought, was the Scythian equivalent of a grin. Dee! he shouted back. Omigradisgrad had recently been through a molt, and the softness of his shell, including the noise plate Scythians used for speaking, made it hard for him to pronounce Denny's name. Omi waddled toward them. He was wearing a temporary shell on his back made of tough plastic which was meant to protect his fragile body until his exoskeleton hardened after the molt. Until a few cycles before, Omi had been small, lean, and covered in a narrow shell that was a bright, orange-spotted yellow. He had looked quite unlike an adult Scythian. With his latest molting, Omi had taken on more of the rounded shape of the adults, though he was still only half their size 
and his shape was still much sharper. Unlike the adult Scythians, Omi wore clothing over his slowly hardening body and limbs. Enough of his head and forelimbs had hardened up that he had pulled the cloth back from those areas. But still, the loose gray folds of heavy cloth completely hid the contours of his thorax and joints of his hind limbs. Denny thought that, except for the big dark patch of his eye pads, Omi might have passed for a human with a tub strapped to his back. He'd thought that even more when Omi had been completely wrapped in cloth just after his molting. But Denny had never told this thought to Omi. He didn't want to insult his friend by comparing him to a human. It took some time for the little Scythian to reach them. Even Omi's feet were soft, and he walked with a peculiar roll from side to side. By the time he got close, Denny could see that Omi had grown after his last molt. His eye pads now were almost even with Denny's face. Look how big you are, said Denny. He shook his head. Another molt or two, and you'll be an adult. Yes, yes, Omi agreed. His voice sounded funnier than usual as it bounced from the plastic shell. Or two. Omi joined Denny and cousin Sira at a small table. They talked and waited while Tala served the overcontroller and the handful of humans. At the far end of the room, old Nani Hachi came in. Shortly after that, Auntie Yu and Auntie Fro joined her at a table. Everyone was there but Papa Gao, and his absence wasn't unusual. Papa Gao had been sick for a long time, and he needed a wheeled chair to get around. Denny would take some restaurant to Papa Gao later. He didn't mind. He liked seeing all the things Papa Gao kept in his compartment. Denny offered Omi some of his food, but Omi's mouth parts were still too soft to eat most of it. At the moment, Omi could only drink liquids. It would be another day cycle before he could eat anything he wanted. Before the last molt, Omi had spent a lot of time hanging around the human quarter. He was the only Scythian who seemed to care about human music or listening to the old stories. On this visit... Omi told them that, now that he was getting closer to his final molting, Omi would have to spend more time following over-controller Heiser. There would be no more time for things like music and games. No time for silly human things. Omi was the over-controller's second Parth child. Scythians didn't have families like humans. Most of them had no idea who their parents were. They thought the way humans did it, with mothers and fathers and children, was rather silly. It was just genes. Only those Scythians who had done something important were allowed to create, not a child, but a copy of themselves. A Parth child got all of its genes from one Scythian. You could tell that Overcontroller Heiser was a very important Scythian because he had not one Parth child, but two. Omi was the new one. The first copy, Grismala Takata, had been made years ago. Denny had never seen him, but he'd heard he already had a Parth child of his own. Some of the most famous Scythians were copies of copies of copies. Maybe one day you'll be the overcontroller, said Denny, thinking that if Omi replaced Heiser, the rules might be much nicer. And you'll be the one who tells us what to do. Omi slurped at a cup of water and bobbed his head. I will know how, but then it will be too late. Denny took a second to work this out. Too late for what? The flat black iPads studied Denny. You! Omi stopped and spoke more slowly, forming the Zetosh words as carefully as he could. You do, don't, know? Denny glanced over at Cousin Sira. She only looked back at him and shook her head. 
I guess I don't, he said. You are all you humans. You all e. Omi tried again. You all humans are leaving soon, he said. You're all being consigned. And then his mouth parts went up again in that Scythian smile. On Wednesday by Mark Sumner, read by Raymond Shen, cover art by Amy Jones. This has been the Word Posse Podcast. Thanks for listening.